2: Thanks for listening to Danny and Dusty On Demand, a Service Patriots podcast.
0: Is
3: your heater safe? Why replace it when Service Patriots can restore it? Get their $59 27-point furnished tune-up and safety check, including a free 1-inch filter. They'll also check your A.C.
2: for free. Go to ServicePatriots.com. This is Danny and Dusty. Meringatang is going to be a thing.
3: You're not coining anything new.
2: With Danny Meringue and Dusty, the fan man Hera.
3: All throws and monkey sounds in there and called go.
2: The old Danny Meringue pie.
3: Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080. Yeah, this is going to
1: be awesome. The fan.
2: Good afternoon. Oh, I, 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 Yay, uh, welcome in. Danny and Dusty with you on this Wednesday. Mm. Thanks for being with us. Time to party on, Wayne. Party on, guys. Excellent. Mm. Excellent. Uh, It is Wednesday. We instituted this last Wednesday when you were gone.
3: Mm.
2: It's wrestling Wednesday. Mm. It's wrestling Wednesday. Jeffra, I am thrilled because I can hear every now and again just like some rattling through the glass in these soundproof booths booths that we are in. Mm. I heard the rattling of some wrestling music Mm. being put into the system today. Yeah, we got some doozies. We got some classics. I like it. I like it. I better have Brett Michaels today. I was very disappointed last week. Brett Michaels? Uh, Sean Sh- Michaels. There we go. Godly. Same person? No, not even, not close. Not even close. one's a sexy boy. <laughs> the other one also a very sexy boy. <laughs> Uh, I want some Shawn Michaels. I want the Heartbreak Kid. Uh, we, need, we need that today. So uh, we will have some wrestling music. If we miss anything, uh, let us know. The Vancouver Fortex on 503 864 uh, 6326, youtube.com slash 1080am the fan, or the Twitch channel, twitch.com slash 1080am the fan. Uh, we have comment sections in all of those, all of those spaces. Or you can tweet us it's at crazy. Danny and Dusty, at Danny Maringe, at Dusty underscore Hera. At for a what is it? Jeff Rust 5
4: The but, Rust the 503.
2: Ru- the Rust 503. That sounds your Twitter handle sounds like a, the name of a dispensary. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, sure. I don't Only know fresh why, like, local flower. Yeah, like uh, I don't know why. I don't know why that is, but it's chronic185. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it sounds like it like the rust 503 okay yeah <laughs> this where it, this is where it be man um but yeah you can tweet us we'll let rust cook on the uh on the music today how's everybody doing doing good we're doing good yeah good
3: I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling splendid how are you I'm great yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. I'm watching a new show mm, what are you watching I know very little about the sport of rugby ooh. Yeah.
3: There's a lot of variation to rugby.
2: Well, yeah, but there's uh, they did like a, you know, Drive to Survive full swing-esque show on Netflix. It's called oh. Six Nations Full Contact. I didn't know that. I didn't really know anything about the Six Nations. Mm. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. They, they follow each, uh, a little bit of each team in the Six Nations rugby, and uh, they go behind the scenes and like you get, like, full detail, you start learning who some of these dudes are. I am totally, like, full blo- I watched four episodes last night. I was just locked in to full contact. Those guys are psychos. <laughs> and all I could think of is, why are they not playing football? Like, yeah. they, they look like they're making good money over there. Mm-hmm. But, like, if they can if, like, we started really getting our hooks in. Like, if mm-hmm. OCU Minora was... Getting his hooks in in London like he's supposed to be doing over there in NFL Europe, mm-hmm. we could have some freakazoids. Oh,
3: there's some absolute monsters, and you know, um, I, I I'm kind of close to this. My my brother-in-law is on a national team playing rugby, so I've gotta kind of seen this. He's the the little Samoan. Um, when you start looking at the guys that they come out of there with, you look at their teams. These guys are. Yeah. I mean, they're they're all like 6 foot 3 240 pounds who run 4 440s and they don't have any sense for how physics should actually work.
2: Yeah, it's it's really interesting that how controlled they are like mm-hmm. everything in tackling in football now has kind of like the heads up tackling program has morphed into more of a rugby style. Mm-hmm. Uh there's helmet. there's a guy who um used to coach what, his name Rocky something uh up for the Seahawks and he was like Pete Carroll's right hand man. And Pete Carroll brought him in because they wanted to teach the rugby style tackling. And the Seahawks have been one of the best tackling teams in the NFL since they brought him in. But watching like the controlled chaos that they, that they play with, I, I'm just, I'm floored by it. And so, you know, you always hear in any of these, you know, behind the scenes, whether it's hard knocks or, you know, full swing, like we, we, uh, uh, was it Domin, right? The, the golfer in the full swing, Mm. Who we were, everybody fell in love with, we were like, oh man, that guy's awesome. You start learning these stories about dudes, and it's pretty cool. It's awesome to kind of like a sport that you know nothing about, just kind of jump into with these with these stories. So I'm in on it. It's really well done, and uh, I didn't know all that much about the Six Nations, but I can tell you this right now: Italy and Wales suck at rugby, and they're saying they're going to mm. they may kick them out of the Six Nations.
3: Wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't know who you bring in, but hmm. they're gonna bring in somebody else. Uh, right now, Ireland and Scotland and France are really good.
3: So, Ireland strikes me as a country that should do like they're 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 quite literally built for this.
2: Quite, uh, they have a guy who looks like Shrek. Yeah, but I mean, he like he looks like Shrek. He's he's got the cauliflower ears. He's a squatty little body, and God be damned, that dude is a bruiser. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen it. That's a show I'm checking out now. Six Nations full contact. It's on Netflix. I like it. Highly recommend. Ooh. Highly yeah. recommend. Highly recommend. Wow. I will give that the triple D stamp of approval.
3: Wow, we haven't had any any any, any uh, D ratings lately. Yeah, That's yeah. yeah. Good.
2: I'm going I'm going triple D stamp of approval. You know? Remember our movie rating scale D, bad, double D. Yeah. Triple D. Yeah. Love it. There we go. It's a triple D stamp of approval for Six Nations full contact. Well,
3: I just got uh, a little confirmation here. Okay, we will have uh, the Washington Post's Ben Golliver in studio here at twelve thirty. Hey, twelve thirty! Look, that's right around the corner. Right around the corner. He's uh, he's he's in town for the return of one Damon Lamont Ollie Lillidge Senior. And uh, you know, he's a guy who was there day one. So we we, quite literally day one. Day one. So uh, we'll we'll have Mr. Day One himself and the OG and. uh, friend of the show,
2: wow! PG. All right, Ben Golliver hey. in studio 1230. You'll love to see it. Uh, Beaverton Zone. I feel like I'm Indeed. gonna be over here on outnumbered, on yeah. The you, you will have in.
3: three beers and high grads, and that's how it's gonna go.
2: Yeah, I feel like hmm. Ben's life went uh, far differently than you two. Wow, he went to,
3: well, wow, wow.
2: I mean, he went to like didn't he go to like Johns Hopkins yeah, or something? Yeah, he did. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... you should get high with Johnny Hopkins. <laughs> exactly. You went to Willamette. Yeah. And 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 mm. that was good for you. I, I did attend there. And then you went to, you went to Portland State. Some. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but everybody's working out well. I yeah. mean, I, I think mostly well adjusted humans. Uh, but the, like, mm. let's not kid ourselves. Ben is the most well-adjusted person that will be here. Come twelve thirty. Yeah, yeah <laughs> indeed. That's, also, that's very right, fair. Also
3: written, you know, written some books.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, and look, I brought my copy in. I want him to sign bubble ball. No, Get a bubble ball. I got I'm... bubble ball. Hey. I want him to sign bubble ball for me. Uh, so NBA writer for the Washington Post, Beaverton Zone, uh, along with Ben Crane, Jeff Rust, and Danny Morang. Mm. Ben Goliver will be here twelve thirty. Yeah. It's distinguished alumni. Well,
3: it it, it is a well, distinguished hell, Anthony alumni Newman medalist? too. Yeah. Like, yeah. gosh, turns out being the biggest school in the state for like thirty years produces just a lot of people.
2: Yeah, that, there's that. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's that. Who's the discus thrower too? Uh Mac, Mac, Mac Wilkins. Yep, Mac yeah. Wilkins, gold, gold medalist. Yeah. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. We got Ben Petrick. So you guys yeah. shove it. We
3: got a couple, <laughs> a couple NFL guys, a couple major league baseball players.
2: Yeah, yeah. we we got. Ben Steve Petrick L- and yeah. we got Eric Ainge. Steve
3: Lyons and Jordan Sen and mm. eh.
2: yeah. We got Ben Petrick and Eric <laughs> Ainge. <laughs> it's, if, if you go to the Wikipedia for, for beers and uh
3: drummer for Smashing Pumpkins, Mike Crane. What? Really?
2: really? Gosh. Yeah. Um apparently there's some guy that was is in a K pop band that went to my high school. No. W- d- what? Yeah.
3: How is that possible?
2: I don't know. I don't know who it is. I have no idea. I who feel like is. we
3: need a crack research team on this one. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. He we went to Glencoe High School apparently, and, and nobody else knew who who he was really either. And uh, like they came like filming like a a documentary or something at the school a handful of years ago with the guy, um, mm, Nicholas Edwards. I think that's his name. Hmm. That sounds like a real strong K-pop name. Yeah, I don't know. He won the. He won the Japanese singing contest, N- Notojiman the World. I don't know what that is. But uh, he's huge in Japan, apparently. So we have Nicholas Edwards, too. I had—I did not know that mm. until right now. Oh, we Japan, have Scott huh? Ruick, Oregon oh, State basketball coach. Very nice. Women's basketball coach. It's not a distinguished alumni. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. But we got him. It's no Beaverton High. Yeah. I can tell you that much. Don't sell yourself short. You're who's, a tremendous slouch. Who's the, like, hey, who's the... No. <laughs> Who is the most distinguished alumni of, of your high school?
3: Of Beaverton? Uh, I mean, Ben's up there for sure. Washington Post I mean,
4: Has it got to be Q? It might be Q, Anthony Newman. Q,
3: Yeah. Uh, I
2: mean Mac Wilkins is Mac Wilkins is a there. gold
3: medalist. Uh Elsie Wines is a multiple time medalist with the women's uh water polo team.
2: No idea. I uh, never heard that name before. Mm.
3: She's uh a year younger than me.
2: Uh um, no idea.
3: Yeah, we we have no a we actually have a lot of Olympians. Steve Lyons did have himself a nice little major league Steve baseball. Lyons, yeah, Steve Lyons? Right. Steve Lyons was was up there. He he was my high school commencement speaker.
2: There's just not a lot of famous people
4: from Oregon either. Yeah. You know? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And even a lot of times, the most famous ones that are from Oregon were Oregon transplants, you know. Well, that's how we roll.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Who, um, who is the president that lived out by you, Danny? I already forgot. Herbert Hoover. Hoover. Herbert yeah. Hoover. Transplant to Oregon, right? <laughs> like,
4: like that's what we're talking about. Well, didn't Harry Truman have a house somewhere like in the gorge or something? No there idea. Was, like he, he had or some lodge. I'll take your word for that. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, somewhere in the gorge, I believe. All yeah, right.
3: it's it's probably Newman. It's probably Newman. Like, there's there's a couple, there's a couple athletes for sure. Uh, James Fitzpatrick was a lineman for the Chargers. Obviously, Newman with the Raiders. Um, a couple Olympians. Yeah, uh, Ari Shapiro actually went to Beaverton. Really? Yeah.
4: Yeah. That's, that's, that's probably. I, was, I think I think he uh, a year or two behind me. Yeah.
3: So that probably
4: it might be Ari. Maybe there. By yeah. the way, I think I'm wrong. It's a different Harry Truman. Like his mm-hmm. name's Harry Truman, but it's not Harry S Truman. It's Harry R Truman. So anyway, it was up near
2: Mount. St. Quite Allen's. literally, one letter off. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> I just saw. I remember seeing Harry Truman? I was like, oh, hey, look at that. Yeah. Well, who who confuses?
2: Well, now you know why there's a Harry S and a Harry R Truman, yeah, right? Right? That, that would apparently be why. Damn. All right. Well, uh, hey, let's sports, shall we? Because we got a lot of sports that we got to get to. Ben Golliver will be in studio with us. He'll be joining us 16 minutes from now. Uh, he is in town. He doesn't live here anymore. Uh, he's moved he's, on. He's a California boy. He's a California He's got a great tan these days. Uh, but he is in town because Damian Lillard returns to Rip City tonight in Moda Center. The uh, Letter O, he will be emotional. Will you? Danny <laughs> Dusty on the fan. Call from mom. Answer it
0: Danny and Dusty on the fan. That drives the girls wild. I've got the moves that really move I said, she yes. Up and down there, smart. I'm
3: just a sexy boy. That caught (laughs) me (laughs) off guard. Uh, That
0: caught me off guard.
2: This is great. All right, it's wrestling Wednesday. This is uh, Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. You know.
3: Going through some alumni lists. I just Googled famous high school alumni in Oregon. Mm -hmm. Lincoln came up, Mm. and they've got Peter Jacobson.
2: Yeah, that's good.
3: uh, Matt Groening.
2: Yep, Simpsons. Simpsons,
3: And the creator of Zoloft, Kenneth Coe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh.
2: All right. There's some other ones on there, but I was
3: just kind of scrolling through. They've got a, a couple admirals and... Some ECONs and uh, uh, David Griggs, astronaut. Like, that's, man, Lincoln's up there pretty good right now.
2: Yeah, that is pretty good. I think Lincoln may maybe. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, we're taking private schools out of this because I think Jesuit wins in yeah. Central Catholic yeah. probably are pretty good, too. Yeah. Um, all right. Hey, yeah. Dame's back in town tonight. Mm. Uh, we'll be joined by Ben Golliver coming up in 10 minutes from now from the Washington Post NBA writer, uh, formerly BlazersEdge.com. Indeed, um, but uh, Blazer, have you Jazz, ever heard of it? Yeah. Have you ever have you ever heard of BlazersEdge.com? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: no, definitely not the place that he got me started at. <laughs>
2: oh, okay, oh, weird. Um, <laughs> ben will join us ten minutes from now because it's a big day in Portland, man. It's 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 Dame's all, return. all the time. It's the letter O's return uh, as a Milwaukee Buck. Uh, he had an emotional arrival yesterday when Adidas named the the gym in the basketball court after him, uh, the first ever athlete to have a a building or um not anything really named after him at the Adidas headquarters here in Portland and he told you that he will be emotional yeah. and like we know he will be i'm i'm just wondering like will fans because he is a he may be one of the most important figures in Blazers history
3: i think and, he's probably one of the most important figures in the state's sports history
2: yeah to be honest yeah i mean he is a guy that you think of what he meant to the franchise after, you know, and it was a it was a really weird time for the Blazers because it was the three pillars of B. Roy, LaMarcus, and Greg Oden.
3: It, it just vanished, come crumbling down.
2: It vanished before it could even get off the mm-hmm. ground, and on the heels of the Jail Blazers, it was, the Redemption Era in that period. So it was, it was a franchise in flux. Yes, and they needed they needed him in a desperate way. This fan base needed him in a desperate mm-hmm. way, and. The franchise, I mean, it, it let him down. It did. Because at every turn, he delivered for this team.
3: I mean, right out of the gate, you had uh, license to Lillard before he was ever a trailblazer. If you go around the NBA, there, there, there's there's workouts in drafts that become kind of legendary. Dame's workouts are some of the best workouts I've ever heard anybody ever talk about. Yeah. Like, that was part of, like, it was beautiful job by uh, his his agency, Goodwin, and kind of getting those, that, that whole thing going. Mm-hmm. But his, his workouts were legendary. The only other ones that I've heard rival that are the Utah Jazz when they brought in Donovan Mitchell. Their player personnel folks told the media that were there that if it gets out how good this workout is, we will ban you from this building. Like, that's, (laughs) but that's like, that's how good Dame's workouts were. They were like, so from, even before he was a trailblazer, like, they knew which way they were going to go. They was, Neil O'Shea drafted Damian Lillard, but he had been in that position, I believe, for four weeks after taking over. Chad
2: Buchanan.
1: Chad
3: Buchanan did all of the work. The Blazers knew which way they were going if he was there. And then that guy goes out there, crushes Summer League, just shows with unabashed resolve of like, no, I'm that guy. Then opening night against the, this is going to be fun Lakers of Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, Kobe Bryant goes out there and obliterates them from the, from the jump to be able to do that, to start that high and to There wasn't an expectation that Dame didn't live up to. Yeah. And now, the franchise didn't though. Yes. And but I mean Dame lived up to every part of it and then some. Absolutely. And that's just I, you how often can you say that about a player? <sighs> LeBron's the easy one.
2: LeBron, um, well, Kobe was Kobe, too. Yep. Kobe was absolutely that guy. I think that in the the part about it, even like that kind of separates Dame from Kobe is without controversy, too. Yes. Without controversy, there was, Damian Lillard was here in Portland and nothing was ever in doubt of the character of the person, the player, and you never had a worry that anything was going to go sideways on you. And I think those those guys are very rare in sports, right? I mean, because when you get to a certain level and when you get to a certain status, there's always somebody that's going to try to knock you down, too. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that Damien Lillard is a person without faults because every person is because we are human. Yeah. But nothing ever made him, the organization, or the city embarrassed. No, never. And that's we, and that is very hard to do, especially in a, every in a city where you the microscope oh. is on you in Portland like nowhere <laughs> you else. You can't go anywhere. Because everybody says, small market. We know yeah, it's we, a fishbowl. We know if you if you step in it the wrong way. It's the biggest story in town. Yes, and especially coming off the heels of the jailblazers.
3: Yes, hundred percent. And Dame was always aware of that, and not be, he he didn't avoid it because of you know the fear of that because but because he was above that. Yeah, that look. There's a difference between what LeBron does and what Dame does. I'm not talking about on the court. I'm talking about off the floor type stuff. LeBron sits there with his book on page six of whatever yeah. book he wants to be filmed reading before a game. Dame is more natural, certainly, but it's it's put together. Do you think that was any that, that it was coincidence that Dame got off that sprinter van last night or yesterday afternoon at Adidas wearing red and black? <laughs> Do you think that was a coincidence? No. No, it's not a coincidence. Yeah. yeah. No. Everything he does, you know why this guy, who's six foot two and a half, six foot three from Weaver State, who is a three-star prospect, who was unrecruited, and unheralded, and, and Phil Beckner, his trainer, told him he wasn't worth it and yeah. broke him down. Do you know why that guy is going to go in the, in the Hall of Fame as a first ballot? Because everything he does is measured. Yeah, He's got his security team, his marketing team, his business team, his, his workout team, his coaches. Phil Beckner flies out to train him. His marketing staff comes out to brief him. They go do their trips to China to build his – like everything he does is measured. But yeah. it's with a sense of realness. It's not fake. It is. It's branded, but it's real. And there's yeah. just so little. Like, look at the stars of uh, since Damian Lillard's coming in the league that have faltered: Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Like, n- name one that hasn't. I think Giannis is probably it.
2: Giannis it, is is a great. But one. LeBron
3: stepped in it with with the with the decision and that.
2: But everybody off. even Giannis is like, he's kind of cut from that same mold of yes. the genuineness. It's mm-hmm. it's manufactured and it's curated, mm-hmm. but it's real. But it started out
3: as very, very, very real. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. And I think you could put Jokic in that same category too. But there's just so, how many times has Luke already stepped in it? Yeah. How many times has Book already stepped in it? Anthony Edwards has been in the league two years and he cannot stop stepping in it. Steph is probably the other one.
2: Embiid stepped in it a few times as well. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. like it's, Steph is a great one. It, Steph is a phenomenal one. But
3: there's just so yeah. few of those guys. Yeah. And guess what? What would they all have in common? Look where they all came from.
2: Yeah, small schools or overseas. Overseas
3: or there's a different level of adjustment and expectation. Yeah. Maturity, around, too yes. There was maturity, a, yes. And I think that that is such a big part of Damian Lodge's story is not only his greatness, but his maturity as a as a not just a basketball player, but as a
2: professional. Are you, uh, how hard are you going to cry?
3: The thug tear is going to come out.
2: Don't try to say it's thug. I'm
3: talking about the one that just leaks out, just the one mm. leak to the corner.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. It's it's going to be there. Um, it's it's
3: going to get me. Like, look, yeah. I cover the guy, and I, I try to be objective and all that. But it's he's it's not just a guy I cover; he's a friend. Yeah, and it's it's, it's going to be there.
2: RJ uh, chiming in on the Vancouver Ford Sun. We'll be cheering for Dame all night. As well as the Blazers, it is what it is. Lillard is a Blazer for life. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good. I have,
3: if you're cheering for Dame to win tonight, I have nothing against you.
2: Far, I, I don't, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Farhad says, "Am I a weirdo for rooting for the Bucks to win it all because of Dame?" No, yeah. no. Yeah. I think that is. I, I think we all kind of are. It is a, it is a weird situation to be in where it's like. Everybody says like, yeah, I want my ex to go on and do great things, but we don't really mean it. I think we kind of do this, is, with this is, one. I want, want Dame to
3: go. I want Damon the Bucks to go you play know? the Nuggets and give that team the series they should have had last year with Giannis healthy. And I hope they go in there and they beat the crap out of him. And I hope <laughs> he gets a ring. And then when it's all said and done, he gets to go. All right. All right, I'm going to come home We're Good.
2: Uh, Alright let's talk about this with Ben Goliver Who is here from day one uh, Covering Damian Lillard and his ascension To being one of the best players In NBA's history Top 75 of all time uh, Ben sits in with us in studio After Rust with SportsCenter
1: Now with the MLB app You can get baseball your way
0: This is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and Portland's sports leader, 1080, the fan.
2: All right, uh, we are back here with Ben Goliver in studio, Washington Post, NBA writer, author. I just got my book signed, Bubble Ball. The author of Bubble Ball. He went uh, to the bubble. He was uh, locked in a room. We were actually briefly talking about his experiences, not just uh, in the bubble, but. The Tokyo Olympics as well.
5: Abroad. <laughs> Abroad. Uh, ben, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? It's my pleasure. You know, you said the Washington Post, but come on, more importantly, the Beaverton High School. Yeah, know.
2: we talked about we, this at the beginning we of the show. We went through the list of illustrious.
3: There's three of us. It's you, me, and Rust. Oh. All, Rust was 96? 94.
2: 94. Yeah. Oh, Thank you for trying, oh. well, though. Uh, tough
5: break, Dusty. like the Beavers <laughs> in the studio, man. I know.
2: It's like a <laughs> Metro League I'm just getting ganged up on over here as the Glencoe guy. Yeah. Uh, but you are here... And you're back in town for Damian Lillard's return. We were just talking about the emotions that are going to be in in Moda Center tonight uh, on Dame's part and a lot of the fans, too. What is – you were here and you were covering the team when Dame was drafted and got into the NBA. What is your first memory of Dame as a, a prospect and a Portland Trailblazer?
5: Well, I remember being real skeptical of Dame coming out of college because he had injury issues, because he'd been in college for three or four years, because it was a small school. Like those are all the kinds of questions you have to ask during the pre-draft process, and then you start to get these overwhelmingly positive feedback about his interviews, his workouts, just his character, how he's uh, you know carrying himself. When he's meeting the front office and ownership and you're just like, wait a minute, where's the truth here? Right. like Because this feels like a lot of red flags on one side, which wound up all not mattering whatsoever. (laughs) And then a lot of like really positive green flags on the other side, which wound up kind of carrying the franchise for a decade. I think the other thing that was going on in that time period was, like, the draft was kind of tough, right? Like, you get B-Roy, that's a home run, but then it turns out not to be a home run. You get Aldridge, that's a home run, and it turns out maybe to be, like, standing double, maybe a triple, right? Yep. Uh, you get Odin, that turns out to be, you know, three-strike strikeout, <laughs> basically. And so I think there was some concern, like, in that time period of just, like, well, what's next? You know, is there going to be a guy who's at that spot in that draft? who could uh, really carry a franchise. So I had probably lower expectations than most. Obviously, that was the Anthony Davis draft. And once you realize you're not getting him, you're kind of just hoping, well, you know, at that spot, like, you know, five, six range, like usually that's not franchise level guys. And almost immediately during his rookie season, it was like, oh yeah, this guy's mature and polished, just like they promised during the pre-draft process. And he just hit the ground running, you know, and that's really what I remember is not very many point guards come in, as ready as he was, and actually do it, right? Yeah,
3: and that's the other thing about this, Ben, and you know, being there from the beginning, and you know, watching this franchise go through the the post-Jail Blazers, the Sebastian Telfair, the missing on Chris Paul, missing on Darren Williams. Yeah, you get Brandon. Yeah, you get LaMarcus. and Yeah, you get the hope with Greg. But there was that one thing that we kept. It was the the joke on Blazers Edge, the point guard of the future. Right, and it was like is this guy gonna be that guy? what was it like to kind of watch somebody even though Lamarcus had that kind of back and forth of not necessarily a power struggle but looking at dame assuming the mantle of the point guard leader what was that like to kind of watch through the initial stages after Portland had just had that that vacancy really I mean since Damon.
5: That's a great point. That was a whole other layer to that uncertainty was, like, Jared Bayless didn't work out, right? Uh, Raymond Felton, still a legend. I still hear about the cupcake jokes here 10, (laughs) 10, 15 years after that time period, right? So not only did the Blazers kind of have this center curse, which has kind of been hanging right, Mm -hmm. but it did feel kind of like the point guard was just never going to get solved, right? Like, forget about the point guard of the future. Can they just get a competent point Mm -hmm. guard? You know, is it even going to be possible? And so here he comes in, and it was always quiet leadership. You know, I felt like with Brandon Roy... There was kind of a walk the walk leadership style, too. But every once in a while, he'd raise his voice and have a lot to say in post-game interviews. I think with Dane, there was a lot of respect towards his veteran teammates in terms of not trying to steal the team from a LaMarcus Aldridge right not trying to overshadow guys who were older than him but also being ready to hold his own you know and and being ready to take big shots in big moments not always deferring in those kinds of spots like some young players do and uh, I do think it goes back to just his unusual path to the NBA like he was older and he was definitely wiser and he was more professional in his habits than most rookie point guards and so I think the questions about like could this guy handle it probably lasted three weeks, you know, maybe, if that. And it was like, all right, well.
1: (laughs) Which is insane to think about. It never happens. Not in the context
3: of, like, Portland, but, like, point guard in general. I mean, you you go down the list of, of modern Pantheon point guards. I think that list is probably him, Chris Paul,
5: well, Steph, I mean... Steph, 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 a, Steph was kind of... It's a, it's a fascinating comparison with Steph because it took Steph three, four years yeah, to get to that point. Yeah, because ankles in Monta. He, he, you couldn't count on him, mm-hmm. right? You had the Monte Ellis factor, like you mentioned, but more so just like, is he going to be out there every mm-hmm. single night? And the durability from Dame, especially earlier in his career, was insane. You know, yeah. he was out there every single game. And I definitely remember that, too. There was a reliability, a consistency to early Lillard that, um, again, just kind of wise beyond his years. You know, in... We look at
2: Portland and what Golden State did. Golden State was a mess when Steph got there, right? And they got rid of Monte Ellis, and they said, we're committing to this. We're committing to this core. The Blazers were unable to kind of get over the hump. How do you remember, because you, you're, how will you remember this Blazers era when Dame was here as the franchise? Because they tried, but they never truly did right by him to build the winning and contender around him.
5: Well, it was interesting because Paul Allen, you know, during his time as an owner, there was no multiple periods where he would do anything, pay any yeah. bill, take any step he possibly could, take risks on players from a character standpoint to try to put a team that could win a championship on the court. And I don't know if it was because he was kind of later in his life, if he had other things going on. I don't know exactly why, but I never felt like they went and made the all-in move at any point during you know Lillard's prime. And I think... One challenge was LaMarcus just kind of up and left, right? So whatever planning they had around the two of them, which was a nice quality duo, very bankable duo, sort of went out and they had to kind of go to backup plans. And it never felt like those backup plans had the goal of being like a Warriors team where you're trying to win the championship and doing whatever you possibly can. I mean, the the luxury tech bills that the the Warriors have paid here (laughs) the last five years are crazy, right? Nuts. And very few owners are willing to do that. Paul Allen would have been one of those owners and it just felt like you know maybe you know his commitment just waned a little bit there towards the end maybe we'll never know it could also have just been a management vision thing right yeah. the idea of like if you have a small market organization they're consistent winners they're always in the mix that's a win in and of itself. You're mm-hmm. seeing the same thing right now in Indiana. That's what they're trying yeah. to build, right? They're thinking we've got Halliburton and Siakam. Those guys aren't going to win championship. Come on, nobody really believes that, right? But they can make the playoffs for the next eight years in a row, and their fans are going to have a, a team to be proud of. I think that's sort of what their goal was. And it's a shame because you know Lillard is now on a team that's willing to fire their coach after 40 games. <laughs> you know, to chase the, that with championship. With the second best
3: offense in the in right. NBA history,
5: to, to go all out yeah. for that title. And you know, I think his best years are behind him in my opinion and you know i don't
3: think think that's that's unfair to say
5: yeah and not by a ton it's like he's dramatically fallen off but you know you go back three four years he's probably uh, a better player than he is now more efficient shooter certainly and to just know that he didn't have that kind of push when he needed it and they didn't align it up it's going to be always one of those what could have been things not just for him but for fans too i think
2: you've got like a, a nice tan you've got a great head of hair now like you grew out your hair yeah, I didn't, a little bit a little like bit. You, you used to have like the shaved head it was like the yeah. the ben goliver special yeah la's changed you man i hope not <laughs> and, um
5: so the tan you know that's just you just fall into that <laughs> right right, you live right in california right. um the hair thing you know that was actually a pandemic deal too for my when i was writing that book that you mentioned i have always really preferred the short hair and yeah. my challenge to myself was i couldn't get a haircut until the book was was sent in and filed, so I didn't cut my hair for like six or seven months. It was so weird. I mean, it was like kind of emo. You would not recognize me at all, and I never had to go in public because it was like the heart of the pandemic. So that haircut was my favorite haircut of my life. It's just a little bit longer. It's I like long. it. It's a yeah. good look, <laughs> okay. man. It's all a right. good
2: look. Can you stick around with us for a little bit longer? Oh, of course. All right. I, we're just getting going with Ben Golliver, not just uh, Beaverton High School, but mm. the Washington Post as Indeed. well. Yes. All right, we're, we're, slightly bigger publication. I'm just going to. I'm just going to say Beaverton High School and then also go. the Washington Post NBA writer. Mm-hmm. He's in studio with us. This is Danny Dusty on the fan.
1: It's time for a pro football report. The inside story on America's favorite sport. Brought to
3: you on the fan by the farmer's dog. Fresh human-grade dog food delivered right
0: to your door. Third and nine. Chiefs with their own 46. Give me the ball.
3: Give me the ball. If the Chiefs get a first down, it's over. It's game no. The
0: homes will throw it. <laughs> And the is launching one
2: long. Catches the ball at the Raven 30. How about that? Patrick Mahomes saying, give me the ball. Crunch time. You want the ball in your game changer's hands. And right there, you heard Jim Nance say it. Game is over if he delivers on this third down and six Marquez Valdez-Scantling and here they are icing it against the Baltimore Ravens and now preparing for their fourth Super Bowl trip in the last five seasons this pro football report on the fan is brought to you by Farmer's Dog fresh human-grade dog food delivered right to your door Farmer's Dog
3: Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080 The Fan.
2: We are joined in studio by Ben Golliver, Beaverton High School grad, hmm. Washington Post as well. Yeah. Um, you know, you have risen from like, the guy who Blazers Edge all the way up and kind of climbed, and now you're you cover the NBA on a national level. Do you find yourself having to defend Portland and the Trail Blazers? What is the perception when you go around the country? Of the Portland Trailblazers.
5: Well, you know, I think you have to kind of introduce them to people, first of all. You know, I think especially after this trade, everybody's yeah. just kind of fallen off the map, you know. Right? And I think they look at this roster and they say, well, DeAndre Ayton was supposed to be maybe battling for an all-star spot. Well, you know, that didn't happen. He didn't get the numbers that we expected with him being sort of the number one guy, or at least the number one salary guy people look at Scoot and they're saying, what's going on with Scoot? You know, why yeah. isn't he playing more? Why isn't he starting? Why isn't he getting the ball? Why isn't he putting up big numbers like a Victor Wimbanyam or a Brandon Miller? So I think the perception right now is, you know, they're just off you know, stage left. Um, I think I was actually impressed – by the level of vitriol that I heard from some Blazers fans here in Portland last night when I went to this event uh, for, uh, you know, the Dame Photography Gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people who are a little bit feisty. I don't know if you guys are in the same spot mentally Th- with this team, but there's,
3: there's there's been certainly a lot of that yeah. for sure.
5: Yeah, and so I think that probably gets lost. You know, I think that people from the outside look at Portland and they say, well, it's going to be a tough market to really build a winner, small market, all those disadvantages. Once you lose a star like Dame, you're going to have to give a team like that three years to kind of turn it around. Yeah. And everybody else is able to check out. And fans here, it's sort of like, well, how are you going to check out on the Blazers? That's what we talk about, 365. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's probably the biggest gap between national perception and local perception. But there's been some cool stories like Walker. Yeah. Like this guy, what a stud! You know, that's a nice little, uh, a nice little find for Portland. Um, Scoot, there's been some flashes too, um, and I would love to. I mean, this is sidetracking things. I would love to see them trade Brogdon. I know that's kind of going back and forth yeah. right now. When's the right time to do it? You got to get Scoot back on the ball. You got to get Scoot back in, you know, a confident headspace where he feels like this is going to be his team, not where he's kind of stuck in between. And so that would be the move I would make. If I was Portland, and I think if they do trade Brogdon at the deadline, you're going to see more national discussion about okay, they're entering the next phase because right now it's kind of this purgatory. People don't know what to make of the Blazers. Right.
3: You know, I, I think there's there's a lot of that to that, and, I, and and just kind of discussing that with with the Blazers organization, but around the league, I think a lot of what people are saying right now is that is Scoot ready for that yeah. spot, yeah. and they, they're trying to figure out like, are they just trying to bring him along slowly because. It is going to be a two or three year process, and they don't want to try to force it or rush it because they tried that on that road trip where they just got yeah absolutely shellacked and you know sixty two point losses. We're glad thunder. they came
5: home from that trip, right? Yeah. It kind of seemed like fifty fifty. Maybe they should <laughs> stay out on the trip
3: a little bit longer. You don't come home until you win. Yeah. Um, kind of coming back to Dame, what what are you were there day one as he takes this mantle just kind of progressing through Dame's kind of return now when he takes over kind of for LaMarcus and you know he le- LaMarcus leaves goes to San Antonio and it's now Dame and Lodge team and that team coming into that season the over under for Vegas 26 and a half wins and you get to see the first real Dame time era take what 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 kind of stands out from that first run of that era
5: well, the 26.5 is what stands out because I think there was a lot of people thinking it could go under mm-hmm. coming into that season, right? Because, you know, Damian Lillard, you know, I think at, at times was viewed maybe more as a one way player at that stage. And it's like, how are you going to throw him out there with no front court help? Where you know where? How is that? Maybe it's going to translate to numbers for him, but is it going to translate to wins? And again, with, with Aldridge, just so bankable. I mean, everybody knows he's a twenty ten every single night, and you're looking around at the front court saying they don't they don't have any replacements for that, right? And so. Uh, what people underestimated was his ability to skill his scale his own offense immediately, right? And take on the type of superstar-level burden that became more common in the next couple of years around the league. But at that time, it was not super-duper common to just, like, throw your superstar to the Wolves and say, get us every last basket, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Harden came along and did that. Uh, you know, we're seeing guys like Luka and Joel Embiid have these huge usage seasons, Russell Westbrook, you know, another player kind of in a similar era doing things like that. Uh, but with Lillard, you know, I think that people overlooked him. You know, he's a little guy. You know, he's not as big as in physical as some of these star level players who are handling the huge, huge loads. And he showed he could do it without sacrificing efficiency. And then Stotts, you know, when he when he comes along, proves that you could build an amazing three-point heavy offense that's efficient, that can get it done against any type of defense around that skill set so um they took everybody by surprise including myself i thought it was going to be a choppier retooling effort and i do wonder if had that season not gone as smoothly as it did and maybe they have a little bit more pain up front Mm -hmm. we would have gotten a little bit more of a push later Mm -hmm. on to be willing to take the Mm -hmm. next step right because you're like, well, you know, we know Damon CJ can deliver X number of wins and a top five offense every single year. So did they just fall back on that? You know, especially Neil Olshay. Did he just say, hey, this is kind of good enough. We can get by with this rather than saying, okay, well, what's really going to optimize the team and, you know, put them in a position where they can actually make deep playoff runs. And, you know, it's again, one of these hypotheticals we're never going to know, but um, I wish I could kind of run it back. And rather than get comfortable with that early success, use that early success as a springboard to push even harder, right? You know, you mentioned, like, from
2: day one, Dame just came in and off the jump. He was impressive. And we're seeing, you talked about how Steph, it took him, like, three years, whether it was health or finding that rhythm. You know, but Steph ended up growing into that guy who, there's a lot of guys in the NBA that can get buckets, right? But to become a creator and facilitate for everybody else around them, that's when your point guard becomes special. As we kind of look at, Dame was almost that from the get-go and he had refined the facilitator role a little bit more as Mm -hmm. his career went on, but how many guys are there like that in the NBA that have that create-for-everybody kind of uh, game and stylistically that can do it? Because you see, it's pretty few and far between where you can combine and meld both of those together.
5: Yeah, no, I mean, the guys who I think are the best playmakers for their teammates right now tend to be actually bigger players who are just kind of like, you know, a center trapped in a point guard's body like Jokic or a big wing trapped in a point guard's body like a Luka or a LeBron. I think the one aspect that Steph had that Dave never got was Draymond. Because I think the the perfect pairing for Steph was a super versatile defender who could also play in pick and rolls and be a facilitator and could also be an amazing passer to kind of take some of that burden off Steph. You see it even now. When Steph has to be on the ball, he turns the ball over a lot. And he's pretty weak with the ball in some situations. And you're just like, man, what what are these passes? Even in the NBA Finals, he's throwing behind-the-back behind passes the back, for yeah. turnovers yeah. and like costing t- his, his team a title. And you're like, what is going on mm-hmm. here? And – you know, Lillard had, you know, a good partner in Aldridge, a really good partner in CJ McCollum, but he never had that perfect balancing player who could kind of cover up for maybe some of his weaknesses and make his strengths even stronger. And, you know, Dame, like the shot quality that he got in Portland, you know, people are going to trap him. He's going to have to take these shots from yep. 30 feet with Steph. He had a lot more space to operate thanks to Draymond. And then, of course, he's an amazing shooter, so he can pull from anywhere. It's not a huge problem there, but. Um, you know, I, that's another regret, too, is they never kind of found the right successor to Aldridge or, you know, uh, Dame's version of Draymond to pull the best out of him.
2: You know, th- that's I think that New Orleans series, when you said trap him, that mm-hmm. New Orleans series, like when we look at the benchmarks in his career, it, that is where his career took off to another level. Like, because he'll it, say that, too. It was ugly. Yeah. It, yeah. That, that series was bad on every front, not just him either. Yeah. Me either. But. You you mentioned the the pairings around
5: him. He's got Giannis now, pretty good.
2: That's a pretty yeah. good guy. Well, that's his Draymond. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, a lot it. of the
5: stuff that I was saying about Draymond does Giannis yeah, does and more. It. Right?
2: Yeah. Who would you like when you look at young Scoot, where his game is at now? What do you think the 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 pairing would be that amplifies his game a little bit more?
5: The first thing I want to see for Scoot before you can start dreaming about Hall of Fame big men partners, I just want to see great spacing around Scoot because shooters. the type of his game, yeah, shooters, one hundred percent. The type, you know, the type of his game that you want to see is him to be able to take his man off the dribble, get to the rim and have as few contested shots as possible. I think a lot of the problem and people are focusing on his, you know, poor finishing numbers so far this season, but it's much harder to finish in traffic than it is to finish uh in a spaced out court. Another guy who's a different body type dealing with the exact same problem is Cade Cunningham with the Detroit Pistons. I mean, this guy yeah. plays in a box every single night, right? And so, you know, I like Kamara You know, I I like Tybalt. I tend to like those type of defensive stopper type players more than the average person. But if you're just going to surround Scoot with those type of guys, you're going to have finishing problems. You're going to have inefficiency. You're going to have him settling for tough shots more than you would want. So I would actually start, like, the building program – around Scoot with getting some wing shooters. That's where I would start it. And, you know, Aiden can set picks and roll and, and give you some offense that way. I would like to see him and, and Scoot more involved in pick and rolls as well. Uh, but that would be my first step if I was trying to build the, the right roster around him.
2: I mean, we could sit here and talk with you all day. If Do you have anything going on? Can you stick around for one more? Well, there's a game tonight. You there, know. Okay, uh, so, so we got that, you till but... 7. <laughs> <laughs> we got you till 7. Yeah. No, let's talk. Let's all do right. it. All right. Ben Goliver, uh, Beaverton High School, and mm. the Washington Post as well. Uh, check out his b- book if you haven't. Uh, I highly recommend Bubble Ball. He was down in the bubble, and great storytelling from what it was like that COVID year and down that in Disney S World. Show. Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, ben Golliver continues with us. This is Danny Dusty on the Fan.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours